0: The article is, as I'm developing it now, to see whether it is true. And I'd like to ask you this question, first of all. Do you think it is true, Dr. Sagan, over the last few years that scientists and science generally have received some bad PR? I mean, there there was a kind of an anti-scientism that set in, and uh, people were blaming science for one thing and the other, blaming him for the... Uh, destruction of the environment, of, uh, of making an atom bomb. There was a kind of a heyday of science and then there was a kind of a getter-demerol. Would you say that's true?
1: Well, I think what's happened is that, um, for one thing, people had the very unrealistic expectations that science would pro- solve problems which are fundamentally human problems and not uh, technological ah, uh, problems.
0: You're saying there, uh, there there's a certain limit to the field that people should recognize? Well, I think there's a certain
1: limit to human beings a certain limit to science. And I hope uh, both limits get pushed back, but at any given moment there are of course such limits.
0: How would you define <coughs> that limit? For science let's say, or, well, or for your It's field? simply
1: the, the sum of what we've done up to the moment. And uh, in the future we may be able to do a great deal more, but uh, up to the moment we've only done so much. So I say first of all there's uh, there's that, uh, an unrealistic uh, view of uh, Uh, science being able to solve everything when it is, after all, just uh, just a tool, and the tool, of course, has limitations, although uh, it's a tool which is rapidly improving. The second point is that we've um, gotten ourselves into uh, some very tight corners uh, due not directly to science or technology but to the misuse by politicians of science and technology. Uh, More generally speaking, Uh, The problems have arisen because the politicians have not been aware of science and technology and therefore unexpected side effects suddenly come up. And there are many of them. Uh, Everyone knows the long litany of possible technological disasters, uh, overpopulation, nuclear war, exhaustion of mineral and fossil fuel resources, um, ecological catastrophes, destruction of the ozonosphere, sphere there's a a very long uh, inadvertent climatic modification. There's a a very long list, and uh, except for nuclear war, but perhaps even including that one, uh, all of them are the result of uh, the governments and politicians not being sufficiently far-sighted not realizing that there are consequences to actions. Uh, And uh, also not realizing that there are exponentials built into uh, success. So for example, one consequence of uh, improved medical practice is uh, more people are alive, so there's greater stress on resources and food. Um, And people start dying of diseases that no one ever died of before because uh, you died of something else first. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I think that this is part of the reason that people have uh, have become disillusioned with uh, science. It's because there was a kind of mythological worship of science as being a possible um, solution to all problems. Science is not a solution, it's a method. It's a way of viewing the world. It is, in my view, the most successful way of viewing the world that's ever been invented, uh, but uh, that's all it is and people have been very ready to accept the results of science, but not to accept the method. The method involves a very critical scrutiny of data, the willingness to uh, surrender long-held beliefs, the idea that, uh, that any opinion from authority has zero merit. Uh, you know, enough cases of uh, <clears throat> distinguished elderly gentlemen being mistaken uh, for uh, any argument from authority to carry any weight at all. Uh, Science teaches that all contentions are to be put to the experimental test. Nothing is to be accepted just uh, because it seems right. Nature is the ultimate arbiter of what works and what doesn't. Um, The method of science involves the uh, seeking of alternative hypotheses Many possible solutions are investigated, and uh, if uh, if one solution is uh, attacked, that is all to the good. Because uh, the less we have to worry about, the more that a discredited, the easier our thinking is. Well, these aspects of the methodology of science have not been accepted, have not been widely used. And uh, that's why, in my view, uh, such fields as uh, politics are so immensely backward. It's because we're not interested in pursuing all conceivable alternatives and picking out the one which works best. Instead, we are locked into a maintenance of vested interests. We get into a particular way of looking at the world. The world changes, but there are people who are making intellectual or financial profit off the first way of examining the world and they're reluctant to surrender. Well, that's not the method of science. Uh, I think that that the main way in which science can help contemporary problems is not so much through the results of science, but through a more widespread use of its methodology. Sorry, to gives us a long answer, but it's a very well, tough question.
0: Yes, now, uh, you think therefore the answer is not so much that there should be input from scientists, but rather that other people should be trained in the scientific method themselves. I
1: think it's the only way of perceiving the world which uh, has testable, verifiable uh, validity. I mean, it works. It's the only method that works, as far as I know. Uh, where Where the definition of works is something that anybody
0: himself can test. Mm-hmm. Now, can a person always do this entirely objectively, himself? Can a person ever be a a perfect user of the scientific method being a human being? I don't think so. I think uh, there are too many cases in science
1: of people getting mad when their theories are attacked. uh, For anybody to say that uh, scientists are immune from uh, that sort of uh, human failing. But science is the one field which has at least as its uh, objective. Uh, the, uh, the idea that my ideas and my self-esteem are not the same. That it's all right oh. to attack an, an idea which I propose. If you're right in your attack, you've done me a favor. Okay, now, certainly there are cases where scientists, uh, being human, don't, uh, don't behave that way.
0: But so the check and balance is in the system. Exactly. Uh, the guard against the person's own emotions and subjectivity. Exactly.
1: exactly, And that's why, for example, scientific papers are refereed. Mm -hmm. So that uh, the uh, author of the new idea has the benefit of critical scrutiny by his colleagues before the paper even sees print. Mm
0: -hmm. And of
1: course papers are rejected, as you know, if the referees think there's enough wrong.
0: Now, should a code of ethics, or whatever you would call it, that it's not entirely, in most people's minds, a scientific thing. Should that be developed in the same way? What would you call your own uh, ethical or religious uh, base?
1: Well, now we're into an extremely different area. I think this has very little to do with what we are just talking about. But
0: if, well, I'd be glad
1: to approach it. But ju- ju- just yeah, well, it my,
0: that it. My question ultimately is whether hmm. the two touch.
1: What I'm talking about is to find a uh, method of um, perceiving how the world works Mm -hmm. Uh, where human beings are of course part of the world. Mm -hmm. We are faced with very difficult problems and uh, if we fail in coming to grips with them our civilization maybe even our species can come to an end. So the question is not to impose some pre-existing ethical framework uh, on the world but to find out what works and what doesn't. An absolutely pragmatic approach. Uh, and then once we understand what works and what what doesn't, then we can decide if we want to pursue one thing or another. But it seems to me the first, the first step is to find out what works. And the scientific method, the experimental approach, the constant self-criticism, uh, the skeptical scrutiny of alternatives, that is the only approach I know of that works. Now that seems to me to have very little to do with ethics. You can have a wide variety of ethical precepts consistent with uh, that approach to the world.
0: Well, I've had some people tell me, for example, that we don't have time or funds to research everything mm-hmm. in, even in more than one lifetime, and that there ought to be some kind of ethical input as to what should be researched.
1: Oh, that's quite a different question, again, but, but all I would say here is that uh, those areas which uh, are critical for the survival of the civilization, obviously, are the ones that should be researched. So, for example, uh, to take a completely trivial one, effective birth control devices uh, and pharmaceuticals. Uh, clearly, that is a kind of problem which is critical. And therefore, that's a thing which ought to be pursued. I don't think anyone would argue that overpopulation is not a problem. Um, and now if we go into into other areas where the practical applications are more obscure, then we might very well uh, have, have debates, I think we ought to, on what ought to be pursued and what ought not to be pursued. Uh, I don't think there ought to be uh, censorship on the pursuit of any idea, no matter how outrageous or offensive. Uh, but on the other hand, that's not to say that uh, large national resources ought to be uh, put into every conceivable activity. We have a finite amount of resources, and they ought to be put where they'll do the most good. I would stress that do the most good implies both short and long-term objectives. It's not enough to solve your short-term problems if you're going to hell in a handbasket in the long-term. So a wise use of national resources is to concern yourself with both the short-term and long-term problems pursuit of long-term problems is called basic research. Mm-hmm.
0: What input, let, let me approach you from this direction, what input do you think science uh, is looking for from completely non-scientific uh, disciplines? Let's say uh, philosophy, uh, theology, things that people do not associate with science in any way and vice versa.
1: I don't myself consider those disciplines. I consider them largely indisciplines. Uh, I don't think there's a great deal of rigor in those those fields. And uh, uh, I would say that much of the greatest interest in uh, philosophical subjects is now subsumed under science. I mean philosophy used to deal with questions such as the nature of perception. How do we know the external world? Well that's now called sensory physiology. And philosophy used to be involved with questions uh, of where did the world come from, but that's now called astronomy and cosmology. Mm -hmm. and uh, It used to be involved with questions of uh, of uh, how can we uh, perceive an external reality, a thing called uh, uh, epistemology, but that now involves uh, areas uh, which are called logic and uh, other aspects of physiology. Likewise, questions of the origin of mankind, the origin of life, those all used to be in philosophy and theology. Well, they're now all parts of science. And what's left in philosophy is uh, of some interest, but it's... Uh, and I, I enjoy philosophy, but it's its not, in my view at all, as uh, vigorous and uh, central a field as it was, uh, say, at the time of Socrates. You see, at the time of Socrates, science was part of philosophy. Today, it's quite separate. Um, you asked before about religion, and I don't want to duck the okay. question, but maybe you could uh, phrase it more. Well, more what you're precisely. saying just
0: now, I think, uh, is getting closer to what I would like to ask. Much of what used to be in theology, you say, uh, since that time, been found to be potentially knowable.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, theology used to be the the bin in which you put all those things you couldn't find out about. Right. Well, now we're finding. Right. Yeah. And now there's less and less there because they're in other bins.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there a core, in your view, that should remain theology or that will probably never become knowable in the sense of the scientific method? Oh, those
1: are, again, two quite different things. One is involves a should and the other involves a prediction as to... As to but how do you feel? About. My feeling is that, obviously, there will always be things that science cannot uh, discern. For example, if the universe is infinitely old or extends infinitely far in space, then it's a mathematical certainty that we can never know everything about it. Even if not, there are uh, some 10 to the 20th or more stars in the universe, and uh, that's a great many stars. I don't imagine that we'll know about all of them uh, for uh, the life expectancy of the Earth. So, uh, and that's quite apart from problems which are too difficult for us to understand. I'm just saying the sheer size yes. and immensity of the universe means there will always be things that we will not know.
0: Is this so. equivalent to saying there is a deity? No. has no connection
1: whatever with that point. It just, says that uh, it just says that the universe is bigger than humans yeah. can, can fully apprise themselves of. Has no connection with the question of God. Um, now, it seems to me that there are some cosmologies that uh, imply areas which are at least difficult uh, for traditional science to come to grips with. For example, if big bang cosmologies are valid, it's not at all clear that they are. But if if a particular kind of big bang cosmology, the one in which the universe is made discontinuously from nothing fifteen billion years ago, if that turns out to be to be the way the world was made, then what scientific status does the following question have? Quote, what was there before the universe was made? Close quote, question mark.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now uh, that's a question which many scientists would consider to be beyond the spirit of science. There's no experiment you can do to find out about it so it's nothing to do with science. Or to give you another question uh, of a similar sort, why are the physical laws the way they are? Why aren't there some other physical laws? Mm. Um, uh, why uh, is uh, the Newtonian law of gravitation inverse as the square? Why not inverse as the cube? Mm. You can calculate that if, the, if it were inverse as the cube, then the planets are not stable and they'd all spiral into the sun. We wouldn't be here. Mm. So one general kind of solution is that the laws of nature are the way they are because if they're any different, we wouldn't be here. Mm. The only kind of universe, <laughs> that, the only kind of universe that, uh, that we could be in is the kind of universe that we have now. But that's not quite true. There are other possible kinds of universes which are perhaps consistent with life. But in any case, uh, the question of doing an experiment, remember it, it's always tested on the anvil of experiment science. The question of doing an experiment on uh, why the laws of nature are the way they are, is, at least from my present point of view, silly. You can't do such experiments and therefore it's not in the realm of science. So by uh, by the rule we talked of before, uh, if it's not in the realm of science, uh, we can consider it in the realm of religion. And certainly traditionally the, those questions, uh, what was there before the universe was made and why is nature the way it is, have been in the province of religion. And uh, it certainly seems to me that there's nothing in science which uh, takes them out of that problem. In fact, science urges quite strongly that they have nothing to do with science. Uh, so, uh, I would say that, uh, that for those who feel comfortable uh, with that view, uh, you certainly could have a theological approach to such questions. My own feeling is that if you can't experiment on it, anybody can say anything. And therefore, how can you distinguish one religious view from another? Uh, and therefore, what good is it? Uh, on the other hand, in the area of, uh, of ethics, and even history, it's clear to me that uh, that the traditional religions, and I don't just mean the Western ones, um, have done a great deal of uh, human good. They've also done a great deal of harm. But they've also, it's clear they've done a great deal of good. And uh, I would be unhappy about a future world in which uh, the uh, traditional ethical precepts of religion were abandoned. I don't think there's any chance that will happen. But, uh, I just want to stress that that aspect of religion, I think, has been uh, salutary and should be, should be continued. But that has nothing to do with the cosmological questions. Mm-hmm. We're
0: talking about. Yeah, this
1: question is about how should human beings uh, behave.
0: But you're saying everyone has some sort of ethical base. Either from his background, training, or something else.
1: Or heredity. I, I or her- would even believe that or they're hereditary. hereditary,
0: they're hereditary uh, sure. I mean, uh, certainly mother
1: love is hereditary. Yeah. Nobody teaches the mother lion to lick the cub or bite the umbilical cord. She knows what to do. Okay? And that looks to us certainly like, uh, like an ethical precept. I'd be surprised if there were not such things in new games as well. I certainly think there are hereditary predispositions towards ethical media. I don't say that's the whole story at all, it's oh, clear teaching. But
0: well, it's important that they be there, you
1: would say. I think the society in which the unethical reasons, is not a society. They have to be some. But uh, at the same time, I think it's important to challenge the mode of discussion. Every assumption to see if it holds up. It's the kind of assumption that works today. The fact that it works in Babylonian times is no guarantee that it's valid today.
0: Yes, it applies to ethics.
1: I'm talking explicitly yes. about ethics. The, the idea that somehow ethical precepts are laid down thousands of years ago and retain their validity forever is an undemonstrated proposition of And of your sufficiently complex times that I think we have to carefully consider what ethical views we want to have. We should not have the dead hand of the past uh, uh, sitting on our shoulders and guiding us in a time quite different from the times in which those precepts were laid down. Those precepts were laid down by men, wise men, and women, um, in a time when those precepts work. It does not follow that those same precepts have to work today.
0: Have you gone through a sort of ethical evolution of your, of your own in this respect? Well, or I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not a, I'm not a designer of societies, I and mean, you know, Hammurabi is not my bag.
0: Um, so, I, I guess uh, I'm I, saying, have you changed your views? Oh, me, myself?
1: Yes. yes. Uh, I've become much more skeptical as I've gotten older I've found out how much humbug there is in the world. I was a lot less skeptical when I was nine years old. I believed everything days old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, uh,
0: what was your own background? In what respect? Mm-hmm. Religiously, ethnically, I mean, what kind of uh, culture? I would say it's an American culture. You know, parents, religion is Jewish.
1: Uh, myself from quite early age. It was, it seems like we some, judgments of my same set out on my own. I did ask questions easily a reason for, for um, and, uh, I don't to have answers, but I'm um, still asking questions. See, there's something very comfortable about accepting a uh, pre-digested uh, ethos. Uh, they don't have to think anymore. It's done for you. And if uh, that ethos works well in, in the world today, no reason to challenge it. But the traditional ethos don't work. It's clear. Watergate is a uh, is an excellent example of how easy it is to uh, distort the traditional ethos so that uh, both sides of the controversy consider themselves uh, consistently with the traditional views, just as uh, both uh, Christian and Saracen called upon God to aid them in fight. each convinced that God was on their side, and they were performing some holy task, but they couldn't both have been right. And I suspect that neither was a god have cared less <laughs> if there is a about to the outcome of the Cousins. um, in the sense that it uh, is roughly equal insanity on in both sides. And, uh, so I'm, I'm afraid I come with no uh, no answers, just questions, but I have a very... Uh, Firmly developed sense that uh, the old rules are not working today. It's, it's a true
0: observation. You use the phrase, if there is a God, would you describe your own view, uh, an agnostic approach? Uh, well, it depends
1: you what you mean by God. Mean?
0: Well, that was my next question whether you define God. For yourself or whether uh, Well since God,
1: God is a word which is used uh, to cover a wide range of different and usually exclusive ideas uh, it's not a, it seems to me unwise to simply uh, say do you believe in God and then assume that both parties know what they're talking about mm-hmm. uh, I mean for example the views range from uh, the idea of an outsized male with a long white beard sitting in a phone in the sky to uh, the kind of Spinozan idea that it's the sum total of the physical laws of the universe you have to be crazy to deny that there are physical laws in the universe. So that's what you mean by God. Everybody yeah. has to believe in God. On the other hand, the evidence for the here suit male is small, or perhaps non-existent. So you have to ask, where in that intermediate continuum are you concerned it? means a wide variety
0: Yes, i aware of that. Yeah. I use the word agnostic because many have told me, well, this is the person who questions. But, but, the, see, skeptical. I think, sure, but I think the
1: evidence that there are physical laws is excellent. So I think you'd be crazy so to be an, be an agnostic, of, there. you can't be an yeah. agnostic about whether yeah. there's a law of gravitation. Just drop right. an object every time. Right. The distance
0: of Except I just finished, uh, sure. I had a chance to talk to uh, Max Born just before he died, right. and, and in fact, he showed me the Born-Einstein letters just before they were published, and I just had a chance about a month ago to read them for the first time. Hmm. And this controversy they had between uh, themselves and even Mrs. Bourne got involved Mm -hmm. in the question of is it a statistical universe or a deterministic one? And even though Einstein didn't like the word deterministic, uh, he fell on that side of the fence that he always... Hope someday there would be a, uh, unif- uh, a field theory of some kind that oh, would sure. still make it a cause and effect universe. God does not play dice. With That's right. Disciples. right. And, and still born, when I asked him directly whether his statistical view means that he ruled any kind of God out, he said by no means. Uh, well, it, was a, it was simply a different way.
1: Is uh, there any way which you, you could say here is a demonstration of the non existence of all kinds of gods? Yeah. I mean, nobody can do that, because some kinds of gods demonstrably exist, like the Spinoza God. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, uh, that, by definition, exists. As long as there's such a thing as physics, that has to be a Spinoza God. Uh-huh. But all the other kinds of gods are not so, not
0: so Of course, many, uh, yeah. and I discovered this early in talking to these people, especially in Europe, right. uh, the idea that ethics has to be related to some kind of religion is, yeah. uh, I guess it's an American... Uh, False conception. There are many people with a strong ethical base who are not concerned about the question of God at all.
1: And vice versa is a point that I was trying to make before. There are many people who consider themselves God fearing. Who are not ethical. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, we don't have to go very far into American history to find such people.
0: Right. Well, uh, returning, um, I mean, I don't want to take a a great deal more of your time. After the original question, really, that uh, I hope the article will give some help. In, and that is whether uh, whatever we call that happened to science, the bad PR, the May, or whatever that I think is turning around at the present time, so, whether whether something can be learned by what happened, and whether part of this answer that we're learning is that there has to be a more interdisciplinary uh, feeling or cooperation, and there has been in the past. Whether it was I, too I much, agree with that. I was there too that. much ivory tower stuff going on before? I agree with that and that now we had better go off in a different direction. Well, what should I, that be? I see, uh,
1: that, that's that's a good question, And yeah. I, I agree with the way you formulated it right um, On the one hand, I think there has been too much ivory tower stuff. Uh, scientists have several kinds of obligations to explain what they're doing. One is, that uh, the obvious one, that we use public funds, the public funds to know what they're getting for their money. But much, much more important than that, is that I think scientists have something extremely important to uh, that, that has been painfully learned uh, in the past few centuries, and which can be extremely useful in uh, restructuring society. And that is this questioning approach of the that scientists have talked about before. We have an obligation to explain it. Uh, so I think scientists have not been nearly as active as they ought to be in explaining what they're doing, and more importantly, explaining how they go about thinking about what they're doing. The other side of the coin is, if the public is to, uh, in, in an age dominated by science and technology, and in a democracy, there has to be a better understanding, by the public and the government, of science and technology. If you're looking at the Senate in the House today, how many scientists are there? I'm temperamentally uh, suited for that, but there must be some scientists who, who could be adequate, I don't say the very best, but adequate congressmen mm-hmm. in the sort of ordinary political uh, arena, but have that special knowledge when it comes to the questions of science and technology. There are maybe two congressmen and no senators who have any kind of professional background. They're all lawyers mm-hmm. and businessmen, but this is a scientific and technological age and uh, that kind of uh, reflection of uh, in the public mind of the importance of science and technology and you can see all over, look at public education, of how poor is the understanding of science and technology hmm. the idea of uh, required science courses in high schools and colleges, so that's, that's drifted away. Uh, there is the interesting fact that of the three major television networks there is not a single person whose job it is to read the scientific literature that week to see if there's
0: anything newsworthy. Hmm.
1: Not one person. Yeah. And that was three monster networks.
0: Uh, I, I was with Jules Bergman. I did a story on the Apollo launch, and I spent some time with him at Houston. We were interviewing the men there, and he was telling me the same story. He gets closer, probably, uh, for ABC as a science editor. Well, no, Although he, he does but virtually no science for it. I mean, if Jules Bergman
1: does, it's technology hmm Apollo had nothing to Right, I
0: see what you're saying.
1: You but when was there ever a thing about a new idea, yeah. that there was a program on there, you know, three-minute spot in ABC? and mm-hmm. A marvelous new idea someone just had. Here's the way you thought about it.
0: I see what you're saying. That's you what, see what you're saying. Now, and you, I, I was caught before by the statement you made that there's nothing uh, said about how a scientist feels when he does things. now. This, in my own teaching, uh, has stuck out as a reason why people are considered Ivy Tongue. through of the man's personality, of why he did it and how he felt. Now, how can that be uh, well, overcome? That's why, in
1: so po- popular writing that I do, like you know, in Cosmic Connection, uh, I yeah. try to do the first person right. approach to convey, convey that uh, sense of things. But, so, you consider, consider art or music.
0: Yeah. Uh, there are areas
1: where, obviously, the, the right away of them, the way he can it, and So, a deeply involved emotion in what he does. Because it's still considered ivory tower exercises by many people. So the ivory tower part has nothing to do with the emotions. It has to do with being distant. If it's not easy to understand, then tower.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you see, the other side of the coin in the, the question of how do we responsibly deal with science and technology, I think that scientists and communication media have to better put over what they're doing, so I think it's clear that the public has to make a bigger intellectual mm-hmm. effort than it stands there. And my view of it, and I spent a lot of time the last few years in public lectures and television and popular writing and so on, is that uh, that public interest uh, is there.
0: Oh, that's no question. And
1: that the main problem yeah. is, is simply getting it across in a palatable form. Mm-hmm. But there certainly are some people who say, oh, science, I can never understand it, I'm too dumb, or something like that. And then, of course, if you have that view, you uh, automatically reject it and give yourself an
0: Would you say in the past scientists perhaps have been guilty uh, in this respect that, like the Egyptian priests, they were not too anxious to have their terminology understood, and for one or didn't have time or something, and that's why it was kind of a sacred call, and people felt, ah, here are these fellows who don't really care about humanity just so they can do their own thing.
1: I don't think it was a conscious effort uh, to uh, you know, for fear anyone else would understand what the scientists did, but I think it involves a, a, a special kind of uh, intellectual or emotional effort to explain in simple terms what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's easier. I mean, why teach It's easier for me to talk to graduate students than to talk to undergraduate students. Why is that? Because the graduate students already talk the technical language. The undergraduate students don't. So I'm constantly seeking for analogies and uh, easy ways of explaining slightly difficult subjects when I talk to the undergraduates. Easier to talk in the special language that has been developed to deal with the the subject itself. And uh, I think that's all it is. Uh, It's that uh, it's the same problem in describing any art. By the way, one point which I didn't want to let uh, run by is uh, that the creative experience in science, I think is identical to the creative experience in art. That same marvelous feeling of having done something as you had originally conceived it, but it all flowed together in the case of science, that to so have understood something that you didn't understand before, perhaps something that no one ever understood before, but at least that you didn't understand there's an immense satisfaction, which uh, is a very uh, exciting feeling, and which, by the way, anybody can have. Uh, you don't have to be Albert Einstein to get that feeling. Yeah. You just have to have a certain kind of view about how to, how to look at the world, and then you know, every, every drop of water in the microscope gives you that sense of excitement, and that's a kind of very inexpensive and very profound pleasure.
0: Well, it's almost a religious important. thing, right, using that term. I mean, that's well, what many people get is, out of a religious activity. In a certain
1: sense, that's right. I mean, yeah. if if religion is the pursuit of awe, then I would say that uh, science is merely a religious activity. It's and what, and some that's what some it
0: would, would call it. a revelation. Well, Inspiration. the trouble
1: with revelation is that it's supposed to be a truth revealed to you and not testable. Whereas with my microscope, if I have this excitement
0: about seeing the ball box,
1: I can poke my neighbor in the woods with my elbow and have him look at the ball box.
0: Well, I I guess I was talking about what Einstein called the leap of faith, where two guys can sit there, one will have this sudden thing and the other one won't. So that was almost a revelation to him. Well,
1: but notice that in science, but not in religion, there is now a second step. It can in science, Einstein can suddenly see that the contracted Riemann Christoffel tensor, when set equal to zero, gives a stunning theory of gravitation. Okay, and isn't it amazing that the world can be constructed in such a way? Suppose I am absolutely skeptical. I think it's ridiculous that a contracted Riemann Christoffel tensor can have anything to do with the world. However, there is now a thing I can do. I can work out the general relativistic field equations which follow from that statement R sub so ij zero and observe that in the classical limit I have reproduced the Newtonian mechanics. And what's more, there are tests we can now make three classical tests in general relativity to see if the departures from Newtonian mechanics are borne out. And if they are, I have to grudgingly admit that Einstein was right despite the fact that I am initially skeptical of tensor calculus or Well there isn't a similar set of verification that occurs in religion. They can then do an experiment to see if it works. You simply have to accept the claim or not. It's like asking everybody to accept and worship R sub R J equals zero. Well, not a physicist in the world would do it. You have to work out the consequences, do experiments, see if they're confirmed. That's the reason that there is this marvelous British expedition. To look at the deflection of starlight during mm-hmm. the eclipse near the sun. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: planned at a time when they were at war with Germany, Einstein was a German citizen, and mm-hmm. science transcended in that international conflict. So the, there is an emotional similarity, but science has another step which religion doesn't. And in my view, that's the critical difference between the two. Sun.
0: Now, some person might say, of course, if something only happens once, if it works for him once, as a religious belief, for example... It's it, fine, because he should
1: keep that to himself, since it has only worked once, there's no yeah. chance of anyone else doing anything. Else.
0: Except he that he said. could say it did work for him. He can certainly do that, but yeah. that is
1: not the basis of a uh, evangelical religion, saying that here's this thing which once worked for me. Okay? The, the great world religions make claims of universal. Mm-hmm any time you make a claim of universality, you have to be claimed in this but But a skeptic can do a thing which will convince him. In the framework of his skepticism, science says that all
0: the time. I see what you're saying. I haven't heard in exactly that way before, but it's certainly a more sweeping uh, definition of science and its applicability to human problems than many people have said and i think this is worth repeating um and i think i will certainly also use the idea that uh, education that people need to know and that the news media need to be aware that they have not fulfilled a certain obligation here that they've been preoccupied with applications i just kind of wrap them as a resume here, making sure I heard this correctly. Yep, That's a um, That the way yeah. in
1: which scientists think is more important than the results of their own.
0: And that we ought to spend a little time and money telling about this. Okay.
1: And apart from the, the social consequences, which are very deep, there's something exciting just about understanding. The yeah. act of understanding is itself an aesthetic experience.
0: This can be done in a great many disciplines.
1: Of course. Not restricted to science.
0: Well, for many people, it would not be a scientific thing, though. I don't think people really understand how widely applicable the method is. Exactly. And when they think of science, they think of uh, chemistry and physics and a few other traditional ones instead of applying it in psychology and who knows where else. Or
1: checkers. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, checkers. Right. Checkers is about science. You know, yeah. if you can't figure it out deductively, you can do experiments and discover yeah. it. Whatever it is, it's, you know, if, if you're in trouble, there's a particular corner where you can bob back and forth and they can't get you.
0: So,
1: whatever it is, you can do it experimentally.
0: Uh, I was watching the Plato Terminal last night, a very good friend of mine is operating that, and, and and I know the people at Illinois who originated this thing, and it's amazing. It's amazing. Dog fights, everything else, based on... The, well, and I went through the Celestial Mechanics game they have in it, where... You make up your planets and uh, the elements of the planet and watch it retrograde and everything. And <laughs> I wish I had one of these in my class. <laughs> yeah. You have Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I wonder, uh, do you have a glossy or can I take a slide or two for the article? Which let's, way do you prefer? Let's give you a glossy. I think we have some. Okay. Do you have, a, do you have black and white or color or both? Um, I don't know how much of this is. Uh,